I'm Osher Ginsberg. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, you are on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. Hi, I'm Georgia Love, and you're listening to the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. What do you do with an arts degree? I'm still not sure I know. I skipped three years worth of lectures just to binge watch awful shows. There must be some scholarship for accruing worthless knowledge. It's my only talent, honey. That and losing money. Welcome back to the Bachelor of Hearts podcast, a Bachelor Australia and New Zealand and sometimes the world podcast where the results of the human lie detector have come in and Xavier, guess what? Uh, what? It's false. Oh no! Yeah, I know. Uh oh. Didn't think that that was what was going to happen. So but... humans are a lie. Is that <sighs> what we're learning here? Yeah, that's there's some real um. What was that song? Um, this was a triumph. I'm making it. Oh, at the end of Portal. Success. Portal. The Portal. Cake the cake is, is a lie. Oh, sure is, Max. Yeah. Hello to our listeners from 2010, or whenever that was, who were listening via time link or something. Uh, listening via a portal? Oh, perhaps so, Maxwell. Perhaps mm. so. Perhaps the fo- fine folks at Aperture Science Laboratories who are sponsoring this <laughs> podcast uh, have provided people with a link to the future. I don't really understand it. Mm. Hey, coming up on today's episode of Bachelor of Hearts, was that the worst example of queer baiting that we have seen? Plus, also, I am going to tell you why I think it is a certainty that blank will win. Ooh, that's a tease even for me. Me and Maxwell were having a very brief chat about what we would talk about on the podcast prior to this recording, and he did not mention that part. <laughs> Well, we got a lot to go through, Zavi. We certainly um, do. So, <sighs> did I? Was I introduced? I think I was, right? My well, name's Xavier Betsky-Noonan. I am. Yeah. A, I'm a human pie detector. <laughs> <laughs> if there's pie, I'm sna- I'm smelling it. Um, and I you want a piece. Snap that out. Yeah. Can I have a slice? If it's yeah. cooling on the windowsill or something like that, you know, I'll be able to. Sniff that fucker out. <laughs> and not to write a check that we can't cash, but for those of you who listen to this podcast because you love Kelly Dawn Helmerich, our co-hostess with the Mo-hostess, mm-hmm. maybe she's back from uh, Europe this week. Yeah, she's, I mean, as at the time of recording, she's, I think, maybe in the air. I don't really know. Uh, uh, well, we will see her soon enough. Yes. And I'm going to force her to sit down and watch so much Bachelor in her downtime. Well, I think what we're going to have to do is we'll get yeah. Kelly uh, alone with a microphone and just get her to sit down <laughs> for, what would it be, four, five, six hours? Six hours. Something Full like that. Work. She could do yeah. a commentary track for the episodes we already recorded. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe she she'll just do... love listening to that. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe she can just do a solo, uh, you know, six or so hours of podcasting. <laughs> uh, I think she would also... Also love that, to be honest with you. Maybe we can arrange both. Let's just... Let's do it. Yeah. So, this week, we saw some pretty weird shit on the TV. We did. There was something, I think, particularly whack 
And then mm-hmm. I think there were a lot of pretty boring sort of go-nowhere type of dates, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think the first episode overall held up better than the second one, which was kind of a lot of nothing. Mm. But um, yeah, the first episode also was kind of the really, really questionable one that was built around this uh, very problematic uh, revelation mm. that, or, or, you know, it was sort of like prefaced as a dramatic revelation that Brooke, not to let the worms out of the can, that expression, you like that? Oh, the not yeah, that's good. I like that. Yeah, mm. um, Brooks a bisexual, right? Uh, yeah, or I mean, so? she mentions she doesn't really choose to identify that way or whatever. We'll, sure. we'll get into it in a little bit more detail when it when it comes up in the recap. Um, mm. But yeah, the the long and short of it is like this episode is built around uh, creating anticipation around the the you know spilling of the beans or the can of yep. worms. Uh, and, 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 and all it is is uh, that build-up and that tension and that anticipation and stuff like that. And the idea that this is something that needs to be uh, kept secret and should be so taboo and sensationalized and stuff like that is what we have a real problem with. Um, so, But you know what? At the end of the day, it did make for a more interesting, if more like jarring and uh, uncomfortable uh, you know, hour or however long of television um, yeah. Than the total nothing episode that followed it. There are like there are things to be taken from this, I think. Um, and there's there's positives, and we will get to them. I actually didn't think that that was the big reveal. What do you mean? I thought that the big reveal was uh, about Brooke, but I thought that it was different. And I thought that it was the re- revelation she was going to come on the show and say that she has dated Blake from the previous season of The Bachelor, Sophie Monk season. What is this a real fact or is this? No, oh, no, no, that no, would just be true. something really scandalous. No, no, that's it's it's real true. Blake, wait, and... that actually happened. Yes. What the fuck? How did you yeah, scoop me on this? I don't know, but Blake and Brooke dated like four years ago. Oh wow! Now there's some disgusting shit that's gone on with Blake, who updated his Instagram story uh, at the time at this that this revelation was made on the TV show mm. and he was like Brooke and I were together and then she went quote unquote full lesbian Awful. okay yeah horrible continuing to, one of, to prove one of many the things terrible things thought. yeah yeah um but yeah so i thought that was the revelation that they were building to was that that Brooke and Blake had been together in the past wow and that she was like i've actually she was going to say i've actually dated someone who was once on The Bachelor. Right, yeah. But as it turned out, it was this other nonsense. Yeah, this total non-event the nation. thing that they... Yeah, well, yeah, okay. It feels like about time we roll into the recap. Um, just talk about this stuff in detail. Beginning with The Bachelor Australia, Season 6, Episode 9. Wow, nine episodes through. I was going to say nice, because it's season six, episode nine. Oh, it's, it's not wow. going to happen. It, okay, very good. We're was not going to get that, that often. Yeah, exactly. Was there an episode 20 in season four? I don't think that we got that far. No, we didn't. Right. So if this is the last good number. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. Unless Until we get to, we get to season, season 69. 66? Yeah, yeah. Good, good, good. Oh, yeah. Season <laughs> good, right. Okay. All right, well, first things first. Everybody spends a few minutes reveling in the fact that the three snake musketeers, Kat, Romy, and Alicia, have all left the house. Chop the head off the snake musketeer. Right, and they didn't grow back twice as many or something, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but after this brief sigh of relief, Osha walks up to the group, and then we're all sighing for a different reason. <laughs> um, and he drops off a date card. So I guess now that the villains have gone, we have time for date cards again? How do you think yeah. this... Yeah. 
I'm so perplexed by this this season. We just have really thrown caution to the wind here. We're seeing so much behind-the-scenes stuff. Mm. We're foregoing the foregrounding. I guess now there's some of that room that we need to re-establish the romantic tensions that exist in the house rather than just playing on the uh, like personality clashes that exist within the house. Right. And I think the date card is a good way to do that because it lets everyone sort of have their say about, well, oh, well, I haven't been on a date. And it's yeah. a standard bachelor affair of... Am I going to be the lucky chosen one to fall in love? Whereas the last few weeks, it's sort of been like, oh, um, Dash is on a date and here's mm. seven minutes of cattiness. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, you know, I'm all for them changing up the structure, I suppose, um, mm-hmm. and, and allowing episodes to be more flexible and less like rigid and stuff like that. I'm, I'm, I'm behind that. It just, it's offset, off-putting, I guess, to, right at the very Odd start. precedent. Yes. Well, there's some speculation about whether it'll be Cass getting her first date, or maybe Emily getting her first date, or maybe one of the two intruders getting their first dates. But the clue reads, you captured my attention with your sweet nature, now let me see your wild side. And it is revealed to be a second date for Brit. Now, is it just a second date? Is it only two times that they've been on a date? Because I feel like they've been around each other a lot. I think Brit's been going on a lot of group dates as well. Um, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, but I think they use the phrase second date here. Um, mm. Although it was interesting, I think they used the term third date in reference to Brooke when one of those was her, like, mansion key, her, her batch pad key thing, so... it It's hard to weigh up what uh, constitutes a date in this dating show. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> At a certain point. Yeah. Um, Britt, I, I really like. I'm glad that she is on the show. Mm. I think that she and Nick have a really interesting dynamic on this date. Mm-hmm. Well, we, yes, we cut to Nick, who is waiting for Brit on a pier, where it becomes clear that, yes, this will, in fact, be another boat date. Choo! <laughs> oh. Are you doing quack, that now? <laughs> this is great. I'm putting my soundboard away for the winter. No, <laughs> spring. Uh, all right, whatever. The two embrace, and Nick tells Brit that there will be an Australiana theme to their date today. Which I guess means the boat that they're on will remain in Australia. <laughs> uh, it will be called the Queen Elizabeth II. Yes. And, you know, like, <laughs> it will bow to the monarchy. Yes, I I, I suppose so. Um, bow, pun intended, by the way. Oh, I get it. Max, you're, yeah. you're the real starboard of this. I mean, I'm, ah. I'm never going to get starboard of it. I mean, <laughs> oh, um, uh, is it me or is it? Hard to imagine a date with Nick Cummins not having an Australiana theme. That's very true. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So they board the ferry together, and as Britt is admiring the view, Nick does a big sweeping gesture and says, This, this is Australia. I did did see this. It was weird, like... Lara Bingle 2006 Australian Tourism ad. Right. He's not a tourism ambassador for Australia, although he is an ambassador for a lot of other things. Yeah, Uh, isn't he a tourism ambassador for, like, the bush or something? Is that not what's happening on (laughs) his Instagram at the the moment? The bush? Oh, no, that's right. Yeah, because you found out from a friend of a friend of a friend, um, apparently, that he went outside. And what does that mean? He did. Yeah. What does that mean? Right. Yeah. Now, I have another um, what does that mean for you. Because we were talking and bemoaning the other week that... There was not a ton of Bachelor content on the Badgers Instagram. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We now have seen three separate posts about the Bachelor from Nick Honey Badger Cummins on right. this on on the grid. Okay, three grid posts. Yeah, 
for um, this season, which obviously is fulfilling his contractual requirement and nothing more. Yeah, but it's substantially more than we were seeing just a few weeks ago. That's true. And the ones that have been shown are... So, there's one of uh, Tiffany, and he's talking about Tim Tams. Hmm. So, there's some money happening there. Mm-hmm. and Oh, to Neil, rather, and the Tim Tams. Mm-hmm. And then there's this... There's a screenshot from this date where Nick is talking about holding a snake and he says in his caption, there is just something about a woman holding a snake at the Bachelor AU. Hmm. Now, what does that mean? It's interesting you should bring that up because there are a few sort of stray lines like that throughout this date. Um, that uh, you might... Yeah, I, I saw some sort of commenters on uh, Bachelor Australia Facebook page and just sort of general Channel 10 viewers who were like, oh, I was making dinner and I wasn't watching the telly and I just overheard Nico Cummins, whatever his bloody name is, saying, oh, I wouldn't mind wrangling a, a python out of my... Whatever he says. <laughs> there was a lot of comments to that sort of, you know, oh, I wasn't looking at the telly, but... Uh, what was he doing to that poor woman, <laughs> or whatever? There's you know? a lot of um, a lot of weird euphemism um mm. on this date, and it's a family program, Xavier. Right, as is our podcast, yeah. and I apologise for <laughs> what just happened. <laughs> um, yeah, so they they arrive at the Australian Animal Adventure, which is a nature park, um, which has helpfully been emptied of all the other tourists, and they are looking around at some native wildlife. First, there's some koalas. Then there's a couple of pretty frisky-looking lizards. You remember these guys? Who are uh... Lizards are generally a frisky animal, I think. Yeah. They're top ten. I was listening to a really good podcast about raccoons the other day. <laughs> is it your other podcast or something? No, it's not my other podcast. <laughs> okay, what raccoons. is it? I don't have a raccoons podcast. It was an episode of Omnibus. This is a podcast re- recommendation on a podcast. Wow. If you like um, human esoterica... The you're in the right place podcast. on Bachelor of Arts podcast. <laughs> if you're listening to the sound of my voice. Um, now, nah, uh, Ken Jennings, who is the Jeopardy champ, mm. and John Roderick, who was in a fantastic mm. Seattle band called The Long Winters, and he's also in Harvey Danger. Mm. You remember, I'm not sick, but I'm not Oh, well. yeah. Love John yeah. Roderick. Yeah. Um, so they have a podcast together where they explain weird things from human history. And the one that I was listening to the other night when I couldn't sleep was all about raccoons and their soft little paws and their sharp little claws. (laughs) Say it again. And it was all about raccoons and their soft little paws and their sharp little claws. Okay, but not as like a new take. I just mean, I don't want to say it more times. (laughs) Soft little paws. Max, I've got you on video call and Max is doing a little gesture for each. Soft little paws. Soft little paws. Sharp sharp little claws. claws. Oh, it's beautiful. (laughs) We need to do a live episode and teach everyone this dance. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's quite similar to the um dodgeball dance to be honest with you either. Oh that's true. Yeah. It's yeah. got a bit of a thriller sort of uh hand it does. to it. There's a little yes. bit of that and um John Roderick says that he sometimes on very hot days in Seattle puts little trays of water out for the raccoons because he doesn't want them to starve. And I thought that was quite beautiful and kind oh. of him, even though sometimes they go in the bin and the floorboards. Oh yes. Well, mm. I do that for frisky-looking lizards in my neighborhood. I invite them in. <laughs> You're a frisky-looking lizard, you are. Hello. There, I saw one. there are frisky single lizards in your area. Click now. <laughs> I hope that these lizards come back there for are paradise. There roosters in your area. <laughs> uh, then, yeah, Nick dangles a big snake around his neck. He calls himself a, quote, snake wrangler from way back. Right, okay, good. We uh, get it. 
Yep, and then he dangles it around Brit's neck, and then he swaps it out for an even bigger one. Uh, I thought the jokes were kind of, like, a little obvious, but I did think it was pretty cute. I really like snakes. Um, yep. I like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just fun, like, something a little bit scary, a little, uh, you know, a little dangly. Top five favorite snakes. Have you got a, or even, I don't know if you can name five different Top snakes five. from movies. Oh, from... Have you just got a favorite snake? Uh... In pop culture? Uh, I like that one that was on that plane. Oh, you yeah, You know in the movie yeah. Snake on Many Planes? <laughs> <laughs> or something? <laughs> yeah. I like the one from Harlem. Oh, I haven't seen it. It um had that dance move. Uh, what was it? The Harlem Snake. Uh, <laughs> you said from movies! <laughs> Alright, I'll take it. I don't know what's movie and what's not. You know, I've seen four movies. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, I should have known you were up to something when you mentioned <laughs> motion pictures. <laughs> what I like about motion pictures is that the graphics kind of just fly across the screen and you're sitting there like, sick. But then I also did see the other day a play <laughs> in a theater. Yeah. <laughs> what did you yeah. think of that? It was pretty good. Yeah, like, it's cool, So they right? had actually filmed the play, and then they put it on the movie screen. Hang on a and second. it was really interesting. You yeah. went to see a play, and you thought yeah. it was a movie. No, no, no. It was a movie Because you're confused about these two things. They're actually no. a bit different. Was no, there a big no. screen, or were there just people? There was a big screen, and on it were the people with the live audience in front of them acting out the play. Okay, Max, I don't think there's time for us to go through this now. We might have to talk about it <laughs> off air. I'll sort of explain this to you. You should know you're a performer. You play in front go of audiences. Go see Adapto Chaser. It's really good. <sighs> you and your recommendations. I'm, <laughs> I take in one piece of content a week and it's The Bachelor. Thank you very much. And if I have time, I, I listen to the podcast. <laughs> Listen to it back. Me too. Mm-hmm. All right. If I have time, listeners. I edit the podcast. <laughs> uh, so then they head into a crocodile enclosure. They meet with a 4.2 meter saltwater croc. And Nick reveals that Brit is going to get the chance to feed it. So she has this big barramundi dangling on the end of a string and a massive pole, which she directs over to the croc, who leaps out of the water and grabs it. But one thing I notice, and a couple other people notice online, is that the string comes with it, the thing that's yeah. like still attached to the fish, and you can clearly yeah. notice it hanging out of the crocodile's mouth in the next shot when the croc is submerged again, which is very distressing to me. That's quite distressing. I also didn't really like... Maybe she got scared and kept pulling the fish back, but it did feel like she was trying to really make that croc like work for it and jump out of the water. See, the croc did, I think, three jumps, was it? Or something? Yeah. I almost feel like somebody told her, like, ah, oh, give it a dingle. Like, we've got, we got, we're shooting on digital, so we, we can, really we can be here all night. Yeah, we want to mm. make sure this looks good. We got it from a variety of angles. Maybe, like, Michael Bay directed this segment. <laughs> <laughs> Have Special you seen a movie, director. Max? <laughs> Michael Have you Bay. seen any of his plays? <laughs> yeah, no, I like him. He's, um, he's really good in, um, Black Panther, Michael Bay Jordan. Yeah, great. <laughs> he is good. He's hot. Um, then we get some quiet time at a batchy couch that seems to have been set up in the wallaby enclosure. 
which uh, I don't know if that's super ethical for the wallabies or whatever, but it is cute that Nick used to be a wallaby, right? It is cute. Nick used to be a wallaby. Also, wallabies are like the rootiest animal. (laughs) You reckon? Yeah, I think that if I was to do a power ranking of rooty animals... Wallabies Sounds like you right want to. There. I would love to hear what other uh, things are getting on this list. I know, like pug. I think pugs are a particularly <laughs> horny dog. Uh huh. Um, that's up there. Skink lizards, really very rooty. Oh, well, we t- we talked about some rooty lizards just a minute ago. We did. Yes, yeah, that's yes. right. Yep. Um, rabbits, I guess. What else is probably? Uh, yeah, rabbits are like historically, I guess, known to be quite rooty. Mm-hmm. And then also, there's this cat who keeps coming into my backyard, <laughs> and it's clear that he is the boyfriend of my girl cat Jeff, uh. and his name's Scout. And I think that Scout might be a bit too rooty for Jeff. Yeah, so right. I mean, Jeff obviously spray nudie pets, dissects. You don't want any more little Jeffs running around going in your bins. Raccoons, soft paws, sharp claws. <laughs> you said spray and nudie are pets. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> spray them with spray. something. Spray, yeah, spray them with bloody hydrochloride. No, Jesus. No? Spray them with. Is uh, that not what? Well, I don't know. It just sounds bad. I don't really know what oh, it is. Oh no, I don't know what it is either. All right, give well, them just a little, uh, a little pino clean. Just keep them fresh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep it fresh. Keep it clean. Mm-hmm. And uh, then obviously, yeah, wallabies, the rootiest animal. Yeah, right. Oh, and also trees. Didn't think about trees. Very rude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so they discuss their plans for the next five years, and both of them seem to be very similar. Britt wants to travel for a few years and then end up settling down somewhere like Byron Bay, which lines up with Nick's plans so much that Britt says, you really need to get your own ideas. Byron Bay, cute. Max, have you got any thoughts? <laughs> now, is there anything going on there that you want to shed some light on? I think there's a lot of stuff that happens in Byron Bay that we don't know about. Yeah, right. And it's not just because I come from Ballina and, like, they're our next-door neighbour, town rival, just up the road. They're your Shelbyville. You know? Like, it's not It's not about that. Mm-hmm. You know? Is it that Ballina is the cool reserve cousin <laughs> who you see every Christmas and you're like, damn, they're really good. They're good oh, goodness. Like... Maybe I don't know. Is the but next then... rootiest animal my friend Max Quinn? <laughs> <laughs> it's the big fucking prawn. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. True. Yeah. That yeah. that prawn fucks. Yeah, that prawn has seen some <laughs> prawn titty. Oh wow. <laughs> Three of them. <laughs> uh, yeah. Good. Anyway, look, we've got problems with Byron Bay. Yeah. But we continue. I digress. Fair enough. So, Britt wants to get a better idea of how Nick feels about her. But before she can get this question out, he gives her a big kiss to show her just how much he likes her. This is cheating. (laughs) You think? This is bachelor cheating. You know what I mean? This is deliberate avoidance of the subject matter at hand Mm. in favor of sheer... Um, the sheer irresponsibility and joy of new romance and kissing. I think he might be right. Like, he's avoiding... I think he thinks he's being as direct as possible with this. Mm. But in actual fact, there are some issues that need to be discussed verbally, I think. Yes, I think that's the thing. Like, this is one of those ones where you actually need to have that verbal conversation because this is a pressure cooker. Yeah. And as much as, yes, it is such a rush of... um, I don't know. It it must be such a, a rush of, of love and emotion to have a badger tongue down your throat. Sure. Like, there needs to be more to, more it. to be said. Yes. Yes. So she 
keeps trying to talk, I guess. She tells him, I've forgotten what it feels like to be in love and to have someone love me. I've had a bit of a rough trot for a while, but I feel really good about you. And then they kiss again. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, it's, it isn't really a discussion, or at least we don't see it, um, if, if any real discussing went on. Um, but, you know, he gives her a rose, and then she accepts, and he sort of crash tackles her onto the couch, and they keep kissing. And it is cute. Like, they're... It's really cute. You know, you can... I, I don't disparage them for it, because uh, kissing is fun. Um, Kissing's fun and nice, and you're really watching two people kind of fall for each other in the... the at least, like the most finite sense that we've been able to ascertain that Nick is having any kind of romantic feelings whatsoever. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's cut to a group date. Uh, no card, just happens. Uh, it is for six of the women arbitrarily chosen, and we don't see anyone's reactions to... You know what I mean? Like, I miss the card a little sometimes. But yeah, miss it. Where's the card? Yes, where's the card in Harvard, yeah. Give me a little... It's foreplay. Yeah, exactly. Warm me up where's a little Where's the foreplay, first. Osha? Yeah. And where's Osha? That's the real thing. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's for Cass, Brooke, Tennille, Sophie, Diana, and Jamie Lee. So Dasha and Emily and Shannon are just like sitting at home this week. <laughs> like, what? Well, yeah, this is... And we haven't seen any of Dasha or... I mean, we saw a little bit of Emily last week, but we haven't seen any of Dasha or Shannon particularly for weeks. Yeah, true. Um, Done like this. Doesn't matter to the show. <laughs> Um, so they're in a function room in Mossman where they're greeted by Osha, Nick, and a very serious looking man who we soon learn is named Steve Van Apron, and he's a human lie detector who is trained with the FBI and Secret Service. And Steve is there to interview the women and find out how strong their connections are with Nick or something. Have you registered with Steve Van Apron? <laughs> Have you logged? Because you can actually get money for logging all of your musical performances with Apron. Yeah, if I do my performance reports every time I get up on stage, I'll get a little kickback yeah. at the, you know. You'll get every... a little something from Steve Van Apron. Wow, yeah, that sounds good. He'll be like, true. <laughs> um, I, did, uh, I did do some cooking over the weekend. I, like, made. Um, oh. oh, tell everyone you're cute, no, babe. No, I mean, look, I don't need to. Look, okay. No, do it. Well, all right, look, just because it was a nice date that I had, and I'm not here to brag about it or whatever, but in terms of, like, a dream date. Um, <laughs> like if they asked me if I was on Bachelor, they they're like, "What's your ideal date?" I would answer them very quickly and easily with this date that I had the other night, which was it's called Make Ratatouille, Watch Ratatouille, and <laughs> and that's what you do. And anyway, I just wish because I when I was cooking and getting all those beautiful <laughs> French, you know, traditional herbs and spices, and you know, beautiful peasant sort of style dish. Um, obviously, yeah, dropping the small mice in. Right. Well, they are rats, um, as, as per the name. But uh, oh, but regardless, it, I was making a bit of a mess in the kitchen, uh, mm. and I was wishing that I had been wearing a Steve Van apron. That's all. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, oh. I want to talk about social media on this date. Okay. I found it really interesting the way that they used the Bachelor AU Twitter to, again, drive the way that we're supposed to be feeling about this yeah. and using the gifts of the ladies to sort of speak for how we're supposed to be feeling as a viewing audience mm. as well. For example, uh, there's a gif of Brooke saying that she feels really uncomfortable and they've written, being vulnerable is a scary thing. Mm. I kind of view it differently. Um, and I guess we can we can get into this a little bit more as we unpack the date, but yeah, it's like there there are many reasons why she might be feeling uncomfortable, and it's not just the fact that she's opening up 
uh, to Nick, which is sort of Precisely. the way that they're framing it. Yeah, I, I see where you're going. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, there's all sorts of other awkwardness around how many dates Cass has been on with yes. Nick and uh, even the Channel 10 official account gets in on the action with a uh, with a GIF about that, a Beyonce GIF. Mm. Let's continue. Well, yeah, it, I mean, it is almost in a way helpful because this date is a little bit messy, I think. Um, we're sort of picking up little bits of info about everybody all at once. Brooke tells Steve that she struggles with being comfortable with who she is, which affects how easily she can trust other people in a relationship. And while she's relaying this to Steve, she begins to cry, and she sort of decides in this very emotional moment that she needs to address this issue with Nick, um, although at this point the specifics are shrouded in mystery. Yeah, we... And it's very yeah. suspenseful. We don't know what's going on here with Brooke. I thought it was the Blake thing, but as it turns out, we'll, we'll get to it mm. in a bit, and... The floor is yours, my friend. We then see newcomers Jamie Lee and Diana, neither of whom have spent any real time with Nick. Useless. I have no clue why they are here. Useless. And I think my overall thing with this date is I feel like there's no real lies to be detecting at this point. No. And, like, it might have been a good idea for a date for last week when we had, like, actual legit villains who needed to be sort of sniffed out. Yeah. But right now it's like, no, oh, all right. Like, I don't know. Jamie Lee seems to hold up okay, but she's got a bit of a poker face. She's, like, pretty much deadpan <laughs> because she doesn't even... She, like, he's like, oh, so how do you feel about your connection with Nick? And she's like, I don't know. He's, I mean, it's going to be fine. It'll like, be fine. We, like, and he's we like, don't know each other. what does she mean? What is going <laughs> on behind those eyes? <laughs> like, I wonder how much he was worded up about how long each of these girls had spent with him and whether he got there mm. and Jamie sat down and was like, yeah, I've met him. I've talked to him for 15 minutes and he was like, oh, mm. fuck this. I haven't prepared any questions <laughs> for this. <laughs> I was unprepared for this. I do want to say that I think this is the beginning of a bit of a punishment arc for Tennille. Yeah, well, Tennille, um, she, I guess she's trying to like grapple with her chances of actually falling in love on The Bachelor. Um, but she mentions that time is important to her in a relationship and uh, she tends to keep people at an arm's length, presumably at least for a little while. Um, you know, I, I get the impression that she's talking about, like, it takes her a little while to warm up to people, and this is a different sort of environment where it's a, a challenge for her or something. You know? Absolutely that. Now... That's the overall impression I get. That's the impression that I got from this as well, but the place that and it I was taken... I never had to knock on wood about it. <laughs> <laughs> it is, you know... I am not a coward, Xavi. I've just never been tested. But right. I'd like to think that if I was much like Tennille in this scenario, I would pass. Mm. Yeah. Because yeah. I think she does. Like, she's not lying. But, I mean, that if that's the big issue here, she's being quite upfront about, like, one of the challenges that she's having. Yeah. Uh, and, and we'll see what the show and Nick and everything sort of decides to do with that. It's made a huge meal of over the next two episodes, and I really don't like what happens. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, and I do wonder if it might be as a result of uh, Tennille being the woman who wouldn't talk in front of a camera, who wanted to mm. take her mic off and run away, mm. was being difficult, mm. is also responsible for getting rid of all of our villains on the season, largely in one fell swoop. Mm. There's just part of me that is like, I do wonder if there is, if someone has seen an opening and been like, ha ha, gotcha. 
That's a really good point because it does seem like she has not really done anything wrong no. at the end of the day. Uh, or or at least not on this date, which is what they keep blaming for her leaving mm. eventually. But anyway, um, Sophie is also there. I don't know. She comes off okay. She gets asked a couple of questions about work and she says it's very important to her, um, which feels like seeds are sort of being planted for a bit of future talk with Nick and life planning and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Um, Steve also manages to get a trickle of new information out of Cass about her past with Nick. So we learn that they met in a bar, then again at a football event a few months later, and then she reveals that they, quote, hung out a few times and, quote, went on a handful of dates, which we later learn is between three and five dates. So four dates. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, unless we're dealing in, like, Percentages, I mean, fractions or decimals here. Or, <laughs> uh, or like one of them considers it a date and one of them doesn't. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing here with the socials was this uh, gif of uh, Apron asking them a question right. where he says, asking Cass a question where he says, how many dates have you been on with Nick? And the caption is, tell us, Cass, tell us. It's mm. like, don't tell them. It's your fucking prerogative. You say what you want, yeah. Cass. And also, like, it's not... She's not really withholding that. Like, it's not... The number of dates is not a specific part of the information. And it's kind of not relevant, right? Right. It doesn't make that much of a difference. Girlfriend, boyfriend. Like, the narrative has been, we have been on some dates. And as it turns out, they have been on some dates. Right. What a shocker. (laughs) But I think these these are the tactics that they have to use when they learn that the dramatic things that they had hoped... Uh, you know, maybe in preparation for the season and stuff like that, are not all going to pan out exactly the way that they would have liked them to. Because mm. it is a lot about like setting up, you know, trying to call your shot and and um, setting up pins and knocking them down. And it doesn't always work perfectly for them, no matter how much control they have over the situation. Precisely. So we have to resort to things like Cass sort of asking to stop for a sip of water, and then they they edit that in as her being like, mm, I don't want to answer this question. I'm I need a drink. Like, yeah. yeah. And then also we hear this like really dramatic orchestral sting as the camera zooms in on her Fiji water, which is a primary <laughs> sponsor of the show, very clearly branded. It's a weird moment for them to have their uh, brand on. We've finally got a beat and Fiji water, you know, they would be so thankful to be not only associated with the character who is being portrayed as this season's Klinger, mm. but... Are being associated with her at her most exploited? Yeah, exactly. There's just Do you think there was a stipulation in the contract when, you know, they reached out and were like, Yeah, we're gonna use it in an interrogation scene. Do you reckon <laughs> they were like, Okay, but you're not actually waterboarding, right? Like you won't be using our water for that, right? <laughs> you won't be yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're like, No, she'll be getting her only relief in this hellscape of a TV oh, environment Lord. uh from a small sip of your brand of water. I Poor guess that ass. was how they pitched it. Yeah. Yes. I look as much as you as you are going on a reality TV show, and clearly your business is going to be like aired out in front of the nation. She doesn't mm. hurt, deserve her business to be aired out in front of the nation quite like that. Yeah, exactly. There are somewhat less humiliating ways to do it. I think. I think so too. Well, it's now time for Steve to do couples interviews with Nick and all of the women, um, and essentially he just tells them what he found out the first time around. Boring. He's a snitch, boring. and it is boring. 
we will we we learn things that we already knew, like that Sophie is very driven and goal oriented, but maybe she might care too much about work. Oh, but did then you, Nick we is also like, get that? Yes, you're about to say that thing that Nick said. Well, he says like she's 25, and therefore like he understands that being a big concern for her at this time in her life. Is that what you mean? Well, yeah, he was like, oh, I remember when I was 25. Right, and I yeah, was like, exactly. I want to vomit. <laughs> oh, you weren't a fan of that. I wasn't a fan of it. Like, I mean, maybe he was. Um, maybe as uh, you are inferring from from what he said, he's like being an empath and putting himself in her shoes. The yeah. way that I heard it was like this, like patronizing. Like, you'll grow up and realize what the real world's like, darling. Oh, I didn't. Oh, like I didn't that even. Yeah, I didn't hear it like that. But I see what you mean. How interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's because I am a 26-year-old as of, like, one week ago. <laughs> uh, so maybe we have slightly different skewed, uh, you know, takes on it. Well, look, Xavier, once you get to 27, yeah. you know, you'll understand. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know. What else happens? Jamie Lee says she, quote, doesn't shy away from anything, and then Nick does this little wink to the camera or something. Yeah, like, really weird. And she doesn't know Nick at all. <laughs> why, why is she saying that? Um, but yeah. Anyway, Steve. Uh, this this is more sort of piling onto Tennille because he jumps on that comment she made about keeping people at arm's length, like it was the only thing that she had to say about herself. Mm. Uh, he's like, why do you think that is? And uh, what do you think you can do to stop that? And that kind of thing. And and Nick it seems really unimpressed by it. He's like, oh well, that's all he took away. Like, ugh. It's like planting this conversation so that Nick will have this negative association with Tennille, I think. Yeah, it is sort of like um, lining your ducks up to knock them down a little bit later. Mm. I didn't mm. I didn't like this. It was mm. designed to create an easy way out for, for Nick for later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Diana says her biggest flaw is that she's competitive. Quote, in, for instance, yoga... Yoga's not competitive. That can be a flaw. Oh, so, no. I don't know. Is Diana being a dodo now? Or am I just not understanding this? Or? I don't know. I just I just don't think that there was much to be gleaned from this. I think they were like, this will be some comic relief, but it ended up right. being quite confusing. It's a bit flat. Yeah. yeah. Steve then brings up Brooke's self-doubt, which she says she is working through, letting go of some things that she's been holding on to and so on. Uh, and Nick embraces Brooke as it's clearly not an easy subject to talk about for her. And, uh, and, and we don't know what it is, but, um, you know, he, he can feel that she's opening up about something. She dated Blake. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Um, but you know, he tells Steve, I think she is genuine. So for me, that's massive. I feel good. And it's kind it's kind of weird. It is kind of weird. Like I came away from this date thinking that Brooke was a legend and has clearly been mm. through some shit and mm. uh, yeah there's nothing but a glowing review of her so far from me yeah uh and then finally we watch Cass declare her undying love for Nick yet again for like 90 seconds straight uh and the string section plays schmaltzy romantic music and she's talking about how wonderful it is, you know and then Steve tells Nick that she is being genuine and she's absolutely besotted with him and she's on the edge of falling in love and all of this I but, loved this I mean it was pretty nice I feel like at this point I'm just like all right Steve's a plant Steve's <laughs> I don't believe entirely yeah. a plant yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, he's it's like really nice that this is coming around in the edit for Cass though you know like they're definitely yes. making fun of her but I think that we are supposed to 
start to sort of start loving her. Yeah, I guess so. And and to view this as a more genuine uh, sort of connection, uh, less one-sided, maybe hopefully Nick will start opening himself up a bit more visibly to it. Yeah. It does feel, although, a, a little bit like... Um, like if you love someone in preschool and you just followed them everywhere that you went. Mm, yeah. There's I mean, that's about that, that. Yeah. That's the other part of the narrative. I think that, that they've been trying to underline. Mm. Um, so we'll see like what part of it they settle into, I guess. Emperor's um, got to find a groove, baby. That's right. And so's Kronk in the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> we saw Kronk earlier in the episode. He got up and had a big bit of barramundi. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. The Kronkadile. The Kronkadile. Yeah. Um, in summation, I think this date was pretty much pointless. I but agree. it did take up 20 minutes of my time. It sure took a lot of time, and it sure set Tennille up down a bad path, and we sure didn't learn anything else. Right. Um, but we, we have it? a Well, we have a very big cocktail party to talk about, yeah. so let's do that. I want to note here that every minute or so throughout this cocktail party, uh, it's interrupted by a little in the moment or a little voiceover or something from Brooke, who is ramping up the tension about whatever it is that she needs to talk to Nick about. And it's just constant throughout the whole thing. So we're getting this like crescendo. We're getting this like tension building, like what could it be? This and has it's to a happen really before the end of the night. Pacing. You're, you're like, you're exactly right in that we just keep hearing this thing pipe in. And eventually repetition reinforces and you hear it, you hear it, you hear it, you hear it. And you're at that point of like, this has been drilled in kind of like a metronome and you're expecting whatever this thing is to be the uh, clock striking cuckoo. Yes, exactly. It needs to be a big payoff. Yes. Anyway, first of all, Nick grabs Cass for the first chat and, uh, and tells her that he's learned that her body language and stuff is in line with all of her declarations of love. So he thanks her for her honesty. And then uh, this weird thing happens where he pulls at one of the little diamantes on her dress and says, you know, I could put one of these on a fishing line and I reckon you'd catch something. You'd catch liveies. And then from that, use those liveies to catch your meal. I don't understand. I uh, Maybe he's just still thinking about fishing from the croc thing? Yeah, I don't really understand why or how fishing came into this. Do you know what no. liveys are? I'm guessing that those are like live bait, like little wormies and such. Well, it's Prawnies? small fish, little baby fish. Right, okay. Yep, and then you use the small fish to catch you the You use the fish. baby fish to catch the baby shark. Do, 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 do. <laughs> um... Well, yeah, Cass laughs and she says, maybe we could try it like on a single date. And then he laughs too and they hug. And then in subtitled audio, Cass says into Nick's shoulder, it is a tough situation. Still 10 of us left. I'll just keep waiting. So that's another like tension building-y sort of. And also, I guess, trying to make us feel yucky about Cass. I don't really know. I don't really know either. It's a little bit, um, she maybe was just trying to have a little bit of a quiet say to him of how she's feeling and of course she's mic'd up and yes. of course we know and she was like it's that thing where you kind of forget that the mic's there and you're like this is how I'm actually feeling and I need you to right. know and I think there must be moments where you feel like you're safe or you feel like you're not being paid attention to or whatever and that's the stuff that they grab and none more so than uh, when you're in the arms of the man you are besotted by Sure, exactly. Yeah. And she is, according to a real expert. <laughs> From the real FBI. Mm-hmm. Oh, Steve Van Apparen. Yeah, the human lie detector. There was an article on him in 2010. 
Okay. Yeah. He's in been in the biz for a minute. The age. He's worked 51 homicide cases by that time. Holy uh, moly. Yeah. And then he was had a television career in the <laughs> Oprah Winfrey Network. Get out of here. True. Wow. Yeah. That's, That's really, a good find. Really weird. Okay. So what he is is a professional person who goes on this type of show to do this type of stunt, probably, That's right? Precisely it. Oh, okay. So he's sort of like the mentalist. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um That's pretty cool. He Oh my god. Van Apparin's- I went to the dentalist recently. <laughs> <laughs> this is from 2010, but keep this in mind in reference to what we just heard Nick say. Sure. Van Apparin's system or his fishing expeditions, no. as he calls them, yes, wow. removes the gut feeling and replaces replaces it with solid methodology. His fishing expedition. He's using Very some liveys to catch his big one. He sure is. Oh boy, they're in cahoots. They have been <laughs> since two thousand and ten. <laughs> All right, uh, Nick takes Brooke away next. And he mentions her self-confidence issues again, but spotlights her honesty and directness, which is clearly an important part of their relationship to him and definitely not just something a producer has told him to mention so that she'll feel compelled to be honest and direct about something. Could it be? very interesting. I was... Mm. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't see it quite like that. I was like, oh, he's very perceptive here. And then I realized My that it's a producer. My ears <laughs> yeah, my ears prick up when they're like, um, you're so this thing. Because I think usually that means that he want, or they want them to be that thing now. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Like they're trying to coach them into that kind of behavior. Right. So maybe it's like you're so uh, sweet and affectionate. And then that'll oh. encourage them to be more sweet and affectionate. Or maybe it'll be like you're so cutthroat and you say what you mean and what's on your mind and you don't, you know... That sort of thing. Listeners, I encourage you to try this in your day-to-day life to see what mm. kind of outcomes it has. If you would like to, yeah, sprinkle it in and then leave a five-star review with what you've <laughs> tested it out on and we'll Absolutely. read it out on the podcast. Sounds great to me. Um, but yeah, this begins the the huge ramp up. I mean, the, it's been happening this whole time, but it's a, it's about Brooke revealing her secret. And the music swells as Brooke explains she's been waiting for the right time to tell him how important it is for her to be upfront with him, etc., etc., etc. She then reveals that out of the four relationships she's been in, two of them were with women. And at this point, the music bottoms out and we get that high intensity, accelerating like jet engine sound effect that we've mentioned, I think, on the podcast before. Right. Uh, and then we crash cut to a commercial break. So... That we're hooked. We're supposed and, to be this hooked and mystified and horrified. That how could this right. be true? But she's one of the favorites. How could she have dated right. a woman? Have a scandalous past like this, mm. whatever. And at this point, I'm annoyed because, like, uh, because of the way that it's it's been teased and the way that the show's covered it up like it's a dirty secret and it's framed like it's something burning and urgent that Brooke can't keep lying about through omission. But I'm still excited as well in the back of my mind because. Queer and especially bi representation in media is a really serious problem. We've yep. talked about it on the podcast before. Um, and giving the spotlight to a positive role model like Brooke, um, who's also a proud Indigenous Australian woman, it's it's a great way to normalise people who are in you know minority groups like this, especially to like a broader commercial audience and that sort of thing. Absolutely. So, 
at this point, I'm like, all right, well, we're in hot water already. I can tell I'm going to have to bitch about this on the podcast or whatever, but it is also a good opportunity for them. Yeah, and there are a bunch of people who are and have been watching the show up to this point being like, Brooke's the best. Like, she's cool. She plays sports. She's funny. She gets mm-hmm. along really well with Nick's family. She's real chill. This is kind of, if you want to stretch it that as that far, it's kind of an opportunity for normalization. It isn't presented that way, but you have to look mm. for the silver lining, I guess. And Brooke is as yeah. good as any. Right, yeah. And the fact that she has been shown as exclusively positive, pretty much, as far as we can tell, you know, incredibly unbiased opinions or whatever. Yeah. Um, it, it means that it's it's easier to swallow, even if you have got the belief that it's a, a not normal, you know, uh, way of living. Or no, but she definitely has been shown positively. Like, you even think about last week, how she put Jamie Lee in a moon boot. And True, it was yeah. Like, how and could the- you not forgive this sweet child? Right, yeah. She didn't mean it. Mm. I mean, she'd probably take it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, so I, I'm I'm like, okay, let's give them a chance. Well, they fucking earned this shitty ad break where we, we sit there and generate Stew, revenue for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but after the break, we learn, we learn that Nick is totally cool with it, which I'm very thankful for as well. Yep. I didn't expect it to be a problem. I don't think they would have aired it if Nick really had a problem with it and said it to her face or whatever, because that would be incredibly uncomfortable. Terribly bad for the network also. Um, but I'm still thankful that Nick is cool with it. And, and Brooke also gets to continue speaking for herself, which is also good. She yep. still seems to be like in control of this narrative. Um, she says, when I was in those relationships, I looked beyond what they were as female and I loved them for who they were as people. And I personally kind of love this because I feel like gender is pretty bogus anyway. And uh, um, I mean, obviously everyone's going to define these things and talk about them differently and that sort of thing. But it's good to hear Brooke saying this. Absolutely. It's nice um, to hear it come from... From her mouth. And, I mean, there's now a little bit here that she says, I, I guess you've got you got the recap. Why don't you keep going? Yeah, well, Brooke then says, quote, I'm not a bisexual or a lesbian or anything like that. I'm a big lover of people and who they are, and I really just don't want to be judged on that. And I think she's referring to Nick judging her, but also the underscoring, underlying feeling beyond that is like she doesn't want to be judged in a broader sense by the public. Yes. Um, uh, like like that. And then, so Nick asks, I guess somewhat problematically, out of both of those experiences, that is to say dating men and women, uh, what do you feel is right for you? Which is like, you don't have to pick a side. No one has um, to, yeah. Uh, but Brooke responds, quote, I want to be with a male. I want to have children. I feel more sexually attracted to men. Now. And, yeah. It's a bit of a slap in the face to same-sex parenting. Mm. I think that one of those reasons is quite valid, um, being that if you are more sexually attracted to to dudes, more power to you, you know, and that's sure. who you want to be with. Fantastic. Sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like, or not to make excuses for Brooke, but you're listening to someone talk on the spot and be given yeah. that platform. And mm. I think that mostly she succeeded and you are watching someone trying to both express who she is and who she has been while also trying to abstain from a TV show that has been known to ridicule for people for their points of difference. Right. Yes. I, I totally agree with all of that. And, and 
it's yeah, it's definitely not my intention to be critical of Brooke for the way that she defines her sexuality. No. Um, I think everyone is entitled to talk about it in whatever way is most comfortable for them. Um, and I think particularly, obviously, outside of heterosexuality, there's a huge spectrum of beliefs and attitudes about this stuff. Um, I don't want to be the bi-police. I'm <laughs> not interested in, in talking about like people who are more attracted to one gender or, or, or another or anything like that. Um, but... Um, I mean, yeah, like like you said, for one thing, it is extremely possible to have and raise children while being in any kind of relationship. Yes. Um, so, I, I mean, she, she's not uh, speaking with an extreme level of, like, detail, I guess, um, about, about what she means in terms of gender or whatever, which we can forgive her for because she's speaking on the spot. I agree. Yes. Um, but also, I, I do think the language that she uses here teaches uh, uh, us a fair bit about how we view sexuality in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Brooke says that she doesn't want to be judged as, uh, you know, as a, a gay person or a bi person or LGBTIQ plus person, because I think we still have a huge way to go with acceptance and understanding. And I think she is talking, you know, about how Nick may respond to it as a pretty, um, I don't know, a, 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 a blokey. He's you know, a blokey boy from the footy team. Right, yes. Um, but then also, I think, uh, on a wider, you know, uh, lens than that, um, Australia, you know, Australia is watching. Yeah. Um, and, you know, um, it's disheartening to feel like she is leaving out a lot of potential fans who do identify in this way. Um, but it is, it does certainly feel like more of a learning moment to me than the show's previous attempt to handle the topic with yep. Megan Marks and stuff. Yep. Um, I think that, uh, it, it is doing good things and opening up good discussions. Um, but also, um, you know, I, I, I feel very understanding towards the people who felt hurt or left out by this as well. Yeah. It's, it's a difficult one because I think that ultimately Brooke's disclosure was good you know, not mm. that she should feel that she has to, but the way mm. that she went about it, I think overall she did a really good job of saying, this is who I am and this is what I'm here for, while also, I guess, covering her bases for a national TV audience that is full of people who play on footy teams. Sure. You know, yeah. and, and perhaps that is part of the audience, and I certainly know what it's like growing up being ridiculed by that sort of person. Um, right. Uh, that's that's really hard. And but to Nick's credit, also, um, mm. and also I don't want to I don't want to be fucking I don't want to be dismissive of people who play football. Or, do you know what I mean? Like I love yeah. sports. I am referring to a particular type of small um, mindedness and and small townness that I think is uh, maybe geographical, maybe coastal, um, or or a little bit more. Re- so hard to put your finger on but mm. it is a uh, learned and kind of old school australian behavior that i think that we are growing out of and we are growing into a time that is more tolerant yes. um but i very much understand because it's a place where i i guess i have come from or of protecting yourself uh, for your points of difference do you know what i mean yeah yeah um, and I think what we're looking for is for the show to be reflecting, like, the, the change that I think we, you know, uh, uh, and younger... Well, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're looking for something that the show isn't necessarily going to be able to provide, I think. Because it is playing to... It's not playing to the highest common denominator, or, you know, the, the top of its uh, audience's intelligence, or whatever that phrase is. Sure. It's, it's aiming to please everyone in yeah. a very 
commercial way. Yeah. Um, and trying, I don't know, to ruffle as few fe- or to ruffle the right feathers or the feathers that traditionally get ruffled and yeah, um, in this type of media and that sort in, of thing. Yeah, ex- yeah, that's exactly it. And so for that reason, I really admire Nick's response. I think that he did a really, I don't know. He was really accepting of Brooke and everything mm. that she had to say. And I thought on the whole that was really positive and that's an example that a lot of uh, young men who are watching that TV show are going to look from, look to and mm. learn from. Right. And if the end result is broader awareness and normalizing and accepting people for who they are, then good. Totally. Yeah, yeah. absolutely agreed. Um, I heard a lot of people saying like, oh, incredible. Well, this means we should have Brooke as the next Bachelorette because obviously like, she's an incredible by woman or you know like um has broader sexual preferences or whatever and she's also this amazing indigenous australian woman and like wow wouldn't it be fantastic she's 23 yeah come on <sighs> it's not gonna happen yeah give her, give her a few years um she would be terrific obviously i think we can tell but um yeah, yeah I, I don't think that'd be a very watchable show with just a bunch of youngsters running around although maybe they'd all be cool and woke and uh you Hot. know yeah and well yeah Probably. Um, <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll get to that when we get to it. Yeah. Um, she might She might pop up in paradise or something. I think she'll be in paradise. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's go to this rose ceremony. Thank God this <sighs> bloody cocktail party is over. And the roses go out in this order. Pokey wrap. So Brooke, Cass, Shannon, Dasha, Sofa Loaf. He doesn't even say Sophie anymore. He just says Sofa Loaf. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Emily, Jamie Lee, and... Oh, they kind of run. Emily, Jamie Lee. Maybe I'll do that in the poker app. I know, I'll hurry up. Emily, and Jamie Lee, Sofalo, Rufido. <laughs> Cass. Cass. Uh, so it's goodbye to yes, Diana. Oh, yeah. Diana, that's right. The, the, the deadpan. Yeah. Deadpan Diana. Diana, yep. I hardly know it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she says, good luck, you've got some beautiful girls, and that's it. So good on you, Diana. Thanks for everything you probably did. Yeah, didn't get to know too much about Diana. Wouldn't want to play no. poker against her. That's all I got. Yep. Right. Uh, and that was Jamie Lee. So, oh no. Mm, who could say? <laughs> who can say what? Who did what? I thought that was Truly, Diana. Who knows? Yeah. I think you might be right. You might be right. <laughs> I should believe you. I don't. I don't mean to doubt you. Anyway, let's plug right along. Not a phrase. Plug, plug, plug along. Plug, plug, plug right along. Let's plug our Twitter feed, BOH Pod. Uh, <laughs> and then let's dive into our recap of. Unless you have any other interruptions? No, no further interruptions. The Bachelor Australia, Season 6, Episode 10. Very nice. jowly when you do that, aren't you? <laughs> it's a very Thank Walter so Cronkite, much. isn't it? Oh, that's a jowly man. Yeah. Who else has got good jowls? Listeners, write in with your favourite jowls. <laughs> <laughs> My favourite jowls in order. Um, mm-hmm. Power like, rankings. Okay, so I like Jai. Jai. Yeah, I like Joe. You like Joe. I like Jay. I think I'm beginning to understand this joke, Maxwell. <laughs> is one of them like Jew? And is that low on the list for any particular reason? <laughs> That's high on the list. That's back. We're working backwards order. Jew was going to oh, be number one. Great. Okay, good. Yeah, thank you. You're my favorite towels. <laughs> Bravo for that joke. Thank you. Especially surviving my uh, follow-up questions. 
All right, look, Nick has, for no discernible reason, decided that it's, quote, a beautiful day to get on the speedway and burn some rubber. Don't you love it? We do a lot of burning, don't we? We do. Don't you love it when your boyfriend decides you and your... His other five girls or whatever. (laughs) This thing is so weird. So thus begins what I I think I will call, and I think they missed an opportunity by not calling because it sounds like something they would do. Uh, Hyundai presents the group date stunt show. (laughs) Did you ever go and see the Police Academy stunt show at Movie World? No, but I know that you love it. Yes, definitely. And also, this is the Hyundaiest date I've ever fucking seen in my life. There is so much spawn content here. Yes. Uh, two cars containing Dasha, Sophie, Britt, and Brooke fang it. See, I'm learning. Good. Uh, towards Nick and Osha, who are standing in the middle of the raceway, and in a moment of panic, they're holding each other's hands, and then they laugh about how they were holding each other's hands afterwards. Oh, no. Because, God forbid, two blokes ever touch their fucking hands together. <laughs> That I, that only pissed me off because of the because previous of the episode, thing. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Osha says they're competing for some one-on-one time with Nick, and Nick explains he is looking for someone who will push their limits. And then he also adds a wager. He's looking uh, for someone op- with a six-cab chassis, four <laughs> sham wows, and a carburetor that can go the distance. Are any of those really car things? I don't know. Uh, who can say? Should we talk about our own driving experience? You've got a car from this year. Yep. Um, and yep. I don't know how to drive. I've been on my L's for nine years. That's right. Yeah. No, my 2005 Hyundai from this year. Yes. Um, look, got to say, Hyundai, quality vehicle. When I am oh, banging true. it up the turnpike with, uh, you know, sitting in traffic on the Tap and Z with uh, four lanes, bumper to bumper. Mm. Do you ever go for a burn in that thing? I've burned, baby. Wow. I burn... Mm. Do you remember how beautiful that John Farnham song is? <laughs> burn for you, what am I gonna do? Burn for you, what am I gonna do? No, I never heard it. Um... <laughs> Nick Nick adds a wager. He decides the overall winner will also get a box of avocados, which are apparently in short supply in the mansion. Great. Don't you hate it when you have a mansion but no avocados? <laughs> <laughs> it's weird because they've got all of it like... I... <laughs> I'm real sorry about where this is going to... Okay, Uh-oh. all right. Because okay, so. I've got one coming up too. <laughs> because don't they already avocado? Stop it! That was my same joke! That was the exact same yes, joke! Yes, Oh, wow. Oh, uh, good. So the first round involves driving while blindfolded, with Nick giving them instructions to avoid obstacles via a two-way radio. Kind of a fun idea. Pretty yeah. scary. Yeah. But, I mean, this date's just boring. Sophie's up first. She just barely clips a traffic cone. Sorry, what was her name? Uh, Sophie? Sofa Loaf. Oh, I beg your pudding. Yes, mm-hmm. of course. That is her full-time name now. Um, Sofa Loaf, yes. Um, so, Britt is starting up, and Nick accidentally calls her Brooke, funnily enough. Um, not a Can't good Can't feel move. good. No. Um, Don't you hate it when you call one of your seven girlfriends by the wrong name? <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. yeah. Is that what Call Me By well. Your Name was about? 
<laughs> not a very girlfriend heavy movie. I'm not that one. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's what he calls one of his seven peaches. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Huh? Three girlfriends north of. What's that movie? Three billboards. Three oh, girlfriends outside of Dallas, Texas. <laughs> You've never seen any movies. Why are you trying this? <laughs> You're also only the... making references to movies from like a year ago. <laughs> I just want to do all the Oscar nominated ones. Oh, okay. Go for it. What do you got? Um, It seems like you're on top of this, so uh, I'll just let you... Yeah, I love the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Um, you probably Oscar. remember what got the main uh, Best Picture Oscar. Oscar the Grouch. Oh, no. <laughs> really good. No, He hasn't won it in years. No, I know the one. He, the winner of the Best Picture last year was Sandpit. Got it. Got in one Sandpit, and do you remember? <laughs> do you remember who was in it? What the plot of Sandpit yeah, was? Yeah, yeah. Jamie, tell Lee, me. Jamie Lee Curtis was in it. Jamie Lee Curtis was in it. Did she yeah. get any awards herself for her performance? Or well, she was the actor director, like Captain Coach. So she won Best Actor and Best Director for her performance in right, Sandpit, act- which was a one-woman show. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't oh, discriminate. Interesting. A one-woman show that was... Was this a... Mo- or do you, is there a chance that this might have been a theatrical production, Max? Because you've had some problems <laughs> with these two things in the past. <laughs> Sandpit on Blu-ray and Stan Premium now. <laughs> Stan Premium. Stan Premium. <laughs> is that where they keep Meat Wars? That's where you find Meat Wars. It's where you find Farmside Truckers. It's where you find Snoozy Moguls. I love your shows. Mm. It's where you find Bill's bric-a-brac. <laughs> Wait until you Some- meet Bill. He's a real character. <laughs> Somebody make a wiki. <laughs> so I can keep up with all these shows. Uh, what happens? Brooke does a good run. And then, as Nick says, she finished strong with a bee's wanger in it. Mm. Great. Slang. I'm good at it. Nick uh, then assures Dasha, who has never driven a manual car before, that quote, you may be Russian, which she finishes by saying, but I'm not Russian. But I'm <laughs> not in a hurry. <laughs> yeah, I may be Russian, but I'll use the brakes where necessary. <laughs> um, that's a very funny joke, as is her attempt to drive a manual for the first time whilst blindfolded. It's pretty Doesn't difficult. go pretty well. Yeah, look, uh, as someone who also can't drive a manual... Felt for oh, I mean, it's a moment. big ask. It's yeah. hard. You've got to do all this shit with your two hands. You've got this whole handsy footsy shit going on. I think there's a foot involved too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like handsy footsy and then touchy mm. beepy. Right. And, like, and you want to adjust your tunes and then, it's yeah, like, and then you want to wind the window down. Yeah, you want to pop top, the window you know. down, chuck a <sighs> chuck a wheelie on the four cab. Yep. You know, roof racks, the whole business. Go for a burn. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, meanwhile, a single date card arrives at the mansion, which reads, quote, we, we have lots of catching up to do. Let's cut to the chase and start this adventure. And yeah, Cass and Emily still been waiting since night one, but the date goes to intruder Jamie Lee. So we'll catch up with that again in a minute. Probably, I mean, Cass probably gets it. I feel like she's chatted to Nick at this point. She kind of sees how it's going to go. She's probably going to be lost. How bad do you reckon Emily's feeling right now? Emily, I don't know, man. Like, I think Emily's great. At the three minutes that we've seen of Emily on the TV, uh-huh. she's great. But I'm finding less and less reason to believe that 
she will have uh like a redemption arc or some kind of like mm. uh visibility presence yeah exactly yeah. you know what i mean and the episode this is to to shoehorn it in there for you to to signpost it mm. when you see emily have a visibility spike she will be going home. So yeah, enjoy I it think, while it lasts. I think you are right. Yeah. I, I think it would have happened before now if it was going to happen. Exactly. Uh, in any real meaningful way. I don't way. think but she's boring. I think that she's had funny no. things to say. And she's been a decent narrator when offered the opportunity. Yep. Uh, she's also, like, very gorgeous. Like, yeah. There's no, you know, very, like, TV friendly or yeah, whatever. Yeah, Popper in Paradise. Sure. Absolutely. Yep. But even then, like, she would be put on Paradise as, like, oh, who are you? Like... Um, she'll Remember walk this? into this group, and they'll they'll be they'll have to play. I don't even know what video clip they'll play to remind <laughs> us of who she is. <laughs> oh, Jared will be. All Remember over that time her. she no, had a ponytail. Oh, she did have a ponytail. Yeah. That's true. They would just play every clip from Gilmore Girls, right? <laughs> yeah, they would. Wait, Emily from Gilmore Girls? She should be on Bachelor in Paradise. That would be sick. That would be. Really, now we really are good. fucking talking. Yeah. All right. Well, back on the Hyundai date. The next challenge is to complete. (laughs) Yes, Uh, the next challenge is to complete quote the reverse flick. This is a real technique. I think Mm. you might see it in the Police Academy stunt showcase. I actually think that I'm looking at it uh, on top of your head right now. Oh, that's how you would describe my hairdo. That's quite funny. Yes, it's a reverse flick. Yes, check out Boh Pod on Instagram to see many pictures of my (laughs) never changing hairstyle. I do need a cut, actually. Listeners, write in with what haircut I should get. Mohawk, Fohawk, Dragon Dog Mullet, Dragon Dog Mullet. I don't even know what that is. It's a Dragon Dog Mullet. Do you not know about that? I guess I don't. So pretty much, you know how you've got the reverse flick at the front? Sure. That's the only bit that stays. Oh, oh! I burped whilst doing that. (laughs) (laughs) That is a sign. I will be having that haircut next time we speak. (laughs) You get rid of everything else, and you only leave the front. Just that cowlicky fringe. Yeah, you just leave your cowlicky fringe, and that's a dragon Mm. dog mullet. That sounds sick as hell. It's do you know anyone with that haircut? Um, if I do, they all they play in a punk band. Right. Yes. Okay. Um. So basically, the reverse flick is to fang it in reverse at top speed, and then whip around and face the front again. It's a cool looking move, uh, especially when you watch it like four times in a row. I don't know. In voiceover, Sophie tells us, quote, the only thing I fear is reversing. Which, isn't that a famous quote? Isn't that like Winston Churchill or JFK or something? The only thing I fear is reversing itself. Reversing itself, yeah, good, good, good. It's not a self-driving car, so she doesn't have to worry about that. Yeah, that's true. It's not going to reverse itself. This thing won't fucking reverse itself, mate. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, she refuses to do it because she can't. I, th- this to me sounds like it might be indicative of some like larger life issues that might be worth discussing on this relationship TV show. But I don't know. What would I know? Yeah. Look, you know, if if you have a like pathological fear of doing one of the main actions that a car does, uh, <laughs> but you also still got a license and are like doing driving stuff on TV. It's, that's I, true. I don't know. I, it doesn't make any sense to me. And you also have pulled out because you can't. It's right. like, how good is this story from today to very day? Mm-hmm. Um the NFL, at which the is time a sport of recording, I, I should say. Yes. Um, so um, there was a guy today who he's played in the NFL for ten years, and then it got to halftime, and his team is terrible this year. They were getting beaten so badly, and like he is now older, and he's lost a step, and like 
it's quite intricate and the routes that the wide receivers run are like, come in, run across, turn at 90 degrees, run this way. And he's just getting completely bamboozled. And this poor man was having such a bad day that he retired at halftime. Oof. Yikes. How good is that? His whole team were like, that's fucked. And I was like, nah. <laughs> he got in his car and left. He left the stadium. <laughs> he beat traffic, Xavier. Yeah. He's like, this is the last time. So relatable. Wow. Incredible. Yeah, we I'm, all felt that way? Yeah, it, I think Ma- so. Maybe halfway through a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it remains to be seen whether or not uh, he reversed the whole way home, though. Ah, true. Uh. Yes. Um, so, I don't know. Britt goes first. She does it pretty well. Dasha goes next. She does it pretty well. She seems enthusiastic. I don't know. Yep. Brooke, Brooke goes third. She does pretty well. <laughs> like, I have nothing to say about this. No. Last up is Sophie, who's got this big fear, and the result of all of this mounting nail-biting tension, and by the way, I, I didn't mention this, but like in the in the promos for this episode and stuff, um, they were like teasing a horrific car accident. They were like cutting away and playing car crash sound effects and stuff, like as, as serious as she anything. She will lose a leg. Right. And what happens? She knocks over a traffic cone and then squishes it a little bit and then they both have a laugh about it. Dr. Carl comes on and is like, she's had a micro sleep. Right. Yeah. And what happens, you know. It does. Yeah, one in Can six. Can we get Dr. Carl on the show? Probably. That's a good idea. Fuck yeah. All right. I don't think he has any other, other commitments. No, I didn't think so. He'll be on next week. Good. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's not a car crash. Whatever. Nick gives her credit for, quote, hitting it with pace and landing it with a smile. <laughs> she really uh, jogged it in, didn't she? She sure did. And uh, so he decides to give the extra time to her. So we watch Sophie and Nick at a batchy couch. Sorry, what was her out name? Of, uh, oh, I beg, I beg your pardon. Her name is Sophaloaf, uh, and his name is Nicolick. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> Do you Nicolick a day? <laughs> um, they're sitting in a batchy couch, which is fashioned out of a car seat and just a bunch of car parts and stuff. Cool. This, this would be kind of cool if there was a big car crash and then like they were like, this is all we could drag out of the wreckage. This is all we've got left. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they cheers each other with freshly pulled keg beers. Nick presents Sophie with 12 kilograms of avocados, which is a lot of avocados. With that much money, Max, you could, could probably just house. have a car, though. Ah, there it is. That's good. Yeah. I went to the median housing price and the, um, you know, the avocado joke. Yes, also you know the other joke. one. We've made both the avocado jokes. Now. Oh, we've we've done them both, have we? How yep. much does an avocado cost? Uh, two fifty. Wow. So that's like, uh, and is that individually? Right now. Yes. How much does a standard avocado weigh? I tried to do this maths earlier today for this very purpose. And I was like, there's no possible way that she's just been given like 70 avocados or th- something. But I think that's what I landed on. Because I was yeah. thinking about it. It's a fuck ton of avocados. And like, if there's one thing I know about avocados, you even buy two of them on the same day. There's no way you're getting through. Like, they, they, <laughs> these things will go off within the span of a couple of days. There'll, there'll be a perfect window with which to eat them. So her only real option is creating, like filling the swimming pool with guacamole. Like that's the option there. She's been given 70.58 avocados. <laughs> it's an obscene amount of avos, right? That's too many avocados. Look, what's she going to do with all of that? And they're going to get ripe at the same time. There's all right. sorts of issues. 
I was looking at them because I had a feeling I would be able to nitpick this. I was looking at the coloration <laughs> on the skin, Maxwell. I zoomed, I enhanced, and I saw it's just not going to work out. No. Stagger it, uh, buddy. Like, have a bunch, however romantic would it be. Ready? All these yeah. avocados delivered to her door for now until the day that she gets voted out in fourth Yeah, place. once a day. Yeah. Right. A lifetime supply. It shouldn't be until she's voted out. She should get them on the outside because that's when she'll really need some consoling and some healthy fats, you know? That's true, yes. <sighs> anyway, Sophie pivots to discussing her feelings. She says, quote, We're already towards the very end and that freaks me out as well. And the whole thing scares me because feelings are now getting involved. I think this is the first comment of this nature that we've really heard. Yeah, first time. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess now we're in double digits. Of episode numbers, that is. Um, mm. Nick says, quote, Every time I spend time with you, I love it because I get to see that smile and I get to see a little bit more of what makes up the Sofanator. And she says, now, the Sofanator. Cool. In the least, <laughs> the least impressed voice I've ever heard in my entire life. She's not happy the with this nickname. It's a bad name. Sofa Loaf is, is like, she, she was like, at least it can't get worse than Sofa Loaf. Right. And then I he feel was like, like, watch this. Yeah, exactly. I think I think the idea is that Soph sounds so much like term that it was just an irresistible pun for him to make. Um, certainly not the kind of thing that we would stoop to on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know that I've been stinging to call her Termaloaf this whole time. <laughs> That's her new name. From here on in, that is what you will correct me to. Termaloaf. Chug <laughs> um, it in, Termaloaf. <laughs> Well, Nick says he wants to keep digging a little bit deeper, and he encourages Termaloaf to dig <laughs> a little deeper into the box of avocados, where he has secretly stashed a rose. And the two of them kiss, and he grabs her hair, he grabs the back of her hair. It looks like a pretty nice time to me. Yeah, yeah, they seem to be having fun with this. I am just... Now, so how much does one avocado cost? Two fifty, you reckon? Yes, $2.50 currently at Coles and Woolworths. And look, you don't he just have to shop at Coles and Woolworths. $176.50 worth of avocados. Not bad. Pretty good. She could make a tidy profit off those if she went out. I think ready? that's what I pay for a week's rent. I've roughly, roughly. <laughs> she could cover your rent in avocados. <laughs> she could cover me in avocados. <laughs> uh, anyone could, honestly. I'd be happy for that. <laughs> Not anyone can cover Africa by Toto though. That's a different, that's a different kettle <laughs> that's of fish. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Only you. Uh, let's go to this single date. Let's find out who the hell Jamie Lee is. Yeah, who? Who? I don't know. <laughs> let's find out. <laughs> Jamie um, Loaf. <laughs> we can't. We can't. Jamie um, Loaf. <laughs> No! <laughs> yeah. Nick asks Jamie Meatloaf if she's ever been to Japan. Because, quote, in my rugby days, I went over there and immersed myself in the culture. So I thought today I'd bring a bit of Japan right here today for us to both share. All right. What have we got? Well, here's the thing. That could mean anything, right? Maybe mm. they're going to, like, learn how to make sushi or they're going to, you know, go on a bullet rail. Probably not that in, in fucking Taree, New South Wales or whatever. But, you know, it's what do they do? It turns out it means they're going to learn some sword fighting techniques. 
uh, some Japanese sort of martial arts uh, from from Will and Brandon from Ten Sensei Mossman Martial Arts Academy. Great. Um, You're yeah. in Mossman on the northern beaches where Nick's yes. family's from. Can't right. be any connection. No, exactly. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, that's true because we have had a couple of just like friends drop by. Yeah. We? Yeah. Um, yeah, interesting. I didn't think about that, but, um, yeah, they get changed into these white martial arts uniforms. And, uh, the, the one thing I really like is Nick saying like, how I to, uh, uh, Jamie Lee. I think it's kind of pretty smooth, kind of cute. Mm. Um, as the date proceeds, Jamie Lee is clearly uncomfortable. Uh, she has trouble even unsheathing her sword, uh, Meanwhile, Nick doesn't seem to really care at all. He keeps enjoying himself. He says in voiceover, I'm almost a samurai, Uh, which is a whole other bottle of hot water that we can warm our feet with. (laughs) I I love this date because we finally just get to see Nick just not care about the girl at all and just enjoy the thing that he gets to do. Yeah, he's fully like indulging this fantasy... Yeah, he's uh, been angling for this date all season. You can tell, like, if the next date with, uh, what's the girl who's in love with him? What's her name? Cass. Cass, yeah, yeah. If the next date with Cass is a fishing date where he just fucks her off and goes fishing, <laughs> Wouldn't I just, like, him. I'm really angling. For... Oh, stop it. Yeah, all right, thank you. Stop all it, right, Maxwell. I got nothing. Okay. All right, well, yeah. Thicker. Okay. Uh, meanwhile, their instructor, Will, tells Jamie Lee to... Tip the brim of your hat. <laughs> Stop it. I didn't even get that one. Um, brim, it's a type of fish. B-I-E-A-M. Oh, I understand. Yes. Yeah, good. sorry. Okay. I cast my line a little bit far with that. You've got to be kidding. Will, the instructor, tells Jamie Lee to, quote, just practice it another four or five hundred times. Hey, Will, fuck you. Yeah, fuck you. What about- Leave Jay Meatloaf alone. No one makes fun of Jay Meatloaf. <laughs> right. Will. More like won't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Nick takes credit for the outdoor batchy couch that they arrive at, uh, where they toast with some sake. Uh, mm-hmm. Nick asks some good, broad, getting-to-know-you type questions, which I-, I think he's doing just a fine job at this point. Yes. Um, He's decided to start caring about her again. <laughs> but Jay Meatloaf seems to freeze up. She seems we... to be completely just dazed by this yeah. date that she has been on, where she's like, he was doing sword play, and I was standing there, and he just didn't care. He just kept doing things with his, like, imagine how much of a side piece you would feel like. Right, right. And it's almost like she would do anything for love, Jay Meatloaf. <laughs> But in terms of sword play, she wouldn't do that. Yeah, no, she's like a a bat right out of hell. Right. (laughs) There is a grand tradition of boring men with sword collections. Yeah. Which I think is maybe being hinted at here with a passion for the way of the samurai or whatever. Um, But yeah, you know, she freezes up. We get a lot of shots of her sort of umming and ahhing and there's that that trusty crickets chirping sound effect that, that we love so much playing underneath. Um, I think it's supposed to symbolize that things are going well. I think so, yeah, because even the crickets are having a good time. They can't help but cheer. Exactly, and it's Australia. Everyone loves cricket. Come on, Aussie, come on. Oh, right. Yeah, of course. Uh, um, Ducks. Ducks. Quack, quack. Uh Um, We see a lot more of her in recap explaining how she was nervous and running her mouth and stuff like that than any footage of this actually happening. 
Um, but it is clear that she's having some trouble opening up, especially, you know, there's a lot of pressure with her being a latecomer, that sort of thing. So, I don't know. It's not a good date. Really. No, it's not a very good date at all. It's quite an uncomfortable yes. one. Um, so, we go to the cocktail party and Nick and Jamie Lee arrive. And uh, after Nick recounts their date to the group... Jamie Lee is forced to awkwardly admit that she is, in fact, the first person to come home from a single date without a rose. Oh, no. It's a bit of a bummer. She came home with a great new nickname, though. Certainly did. Jay Meatloaf. Um, And it's at this point, 37 minutes into this 48-minute long episode, that Tennille is mentioned for the first time. How weird is this? Isn't it strange? Um... Now, she hasn't spoken to Nick since the lie detector date, where this like self-admitted habit of keeping people at an arm's length was called into question, but she's starting to get the feeling that her head's on the chopping block. Mm. Um, Nick grabs Tennille for a chat, but yet, yet again, we see more commentary than actual events. The camera focuses on Emily and Brooke doing a bit of a play-by-play of how the conversation might be going, uh, followed by a similar cutaway to Emily and Dasha. Um... And I guess, like, these are the three minutes of Emily's screen time, of her being involved in a couple of discussions about what might be going on in another scene that is also being filmed by cameras, like, meters away. And not featuring her in the slightest, or not to do with her. Right. And her romantic involvement with Um, Nick. It's really really odd, this. Um, And it does seem to suggest that whatever was happening between Tennille and Nick, not that interesting. Perhaps not. And also, maybe some producer was like, hey, Emily, guess what? You're, like, not popping like yeah. nothing's happening with you you need to do something whether it's just having a conversation about something that's happening you know just yeah we just need you to just be a bit more mm. like it is nice to see her getting some camera time for once i guess yeah it's yeah. lovely and after her relationship broke down with logan you know and <laughs> there was that was whole like thing emily's she, like, the mum. No, but she looks so much like Rory, don't you think? Oh, she do- you know, she does, actually. She's got very similar eyes. She's got a real Rory thing, and I would mm. go as far as to say that Brit kind of looks like Lorelai. I could see it. Wow. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. All right. If if they don't make it on Paradise, or even if they do, there should be a spin-off where Definitely. they just redo Gilmore Girls with those two <laughs> or something. Can I be Michelle? Yes. Michelle. Michelle. You do do such a good imitation of Michelle. I only Michelle, say has anyone name. has anyone called today? Michelle. Oh, okay. Has there been any mail here at the hotel? No. Oh, no. he's learned a new word. Michelle, no. <laughs> oh, thanks, Michelle, for stopping by the podcast. No. no, 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 no. I have to ask you to leave now. <laughs> well, Michelle, Michelle, please. No, Michelle. Uh, okay. Well, anyway, N- Nick tells Tennille that things are coming to a head. And he's scrambling to work out his feelings about everyone and that sort of thing. Uh, And Tennille says, I feel like you could get there, but it's all in how you want to approach it. She tells the camera she ideally wants him to tell her that he's willing to put in more effort, which I think is completely reasonable. Yeah. Um, Nick responds by saying, in this environment, that is to say The Bachelor, we both know how it rolls. Uh, so she tells Nick that she feels like there's an expiry date on her and then she walks away to have a quiet cry, which I also think is a reasonable response to this, uh, Certainly. 
Like, I'm hoping that this discussion is longer and he said better things that were cut out and, yeah. you know, it's just clipped down or whatever. But it, it seems a little callous, right? It does sound like he started out quoting the great prophet from this podcast. <laughs> Who would that be? Kelly? In this environment. Oh, no. Are you honest? Are you seriously? Again? You've got to know how it rolls. Please tell me that was it. <laughs> Tanil. No. There's something in my heart. Max, for you. you're the one who needs to leave at the end of this episode. <laughs> you have a heart out. <laughs> you're only wasting your own time. <laughs> uh, you're right. Okay, let's yeah. continue. All right. Tanil's crying, by the way. And you're oh, just yeah, bloody that's right. having Sorry. a duel. Yeah. Well, Nick Nick finds her again at the back of the courtyard, and she explains to him, I think I'm pretty good at reading situations, and I've read what just happened. I know and understand, but I think I'd rather just keep my dignity intact and get in the car and go, rather than go into that ceremony knowing. Do we just stop kidding ourselves? Because I get the feeling that you're not going to get past the fact that I'm a little bit withheld. It doesn't make either of us bad people. And so Nick agrees that maybe that hurdle is too much for them. And he walks to Neil out to a car, which is already waiting for her. Leaving so many questions unanswered. Right. Yeah. What, what, did, what did you think about all of this? I mean, we don't, we don't really know what happened. I think your theory that you posited at the top of the show may be the most satisfying explanation I've heard today. Where are the other nine? Like? The other nine eels? The other nine Neils. Oh, Neils. I was wondering. We've got ten Neils. Where have the other nine gone? True. You know what I mean? We've seen this Maybe one, one of pop them would make the a gap. better That's right. Maybe impression have... on Nick. Yeah. That was my main question. Mm. Mm. Um, well, I guess we'll never find out unless they pop up in paradise. Oh, nine that would Neils be... in paradise. <laughs> that would be a crowded island. I guess they could swim around if they're eels or whatever. Neil, you're here. Oh, and Neil, you're here. And Michelle, what are you? Michelle, hello. Oh, no. Oh, how'd you sneak in here? Oh, vocabulary is expanding at a rapid rate. Yeah, Tennille. Kind of got thrown under the bus, huh? Yeah, I didn't like it. I think she got thrown mm. under the bus by the edit. Made a victim of uh, yes. for having the gumption to stand up for herself. Yep. I yep. think you may be right. Mm. Osha tells the women that Nick has said goodbye to Tanil and gone home for the evening, so there will be no rose ceremony. <laughs> and then we see Shannon. Did you catch this little shot of Shannon absolutely bursting into tears? Yeah, this was weird. Like, I mean, it's sad to see their friend. I'm sure she's just sad because her friend, you know, maybe they were pals. We didn't see that much of it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But to me, she cried quicker than I've ever seen anyone cry. And... You know, I don't look at a lot of people crying. So I guess everyone's got their own style or whatever. But it was just so abrupt. I thought maybe she was hoping she was going to get booted out at the rose ceremony. Yes. She's like, we're not having a rose ceremony. Ah, another ah. week. <laughs> More time in this hideous mansion with Michelle. Right. Yeah. <sighs> well, now Michelle's snuck in. It's a whole other. Yeah. <laughs> So next time we've got some kind of tough mutter looking thing or maybe like a military training commando sort of situation. Hard to Yuck. tell. Yeah. Uh, and then a single date with Cass, um, which appears to have been shot at Wet n' Wild Sydney. Um, fine by me. Uh, Great. I like, a th I like a theme park and I'm happy to see Cass get a date finally. I wonder how that'll go. I'm excited. At one point they are dangling from the human slingshot, which is this big, very high up, scary ride. 
and we hear this incredibly chopped up audio, probably the worst Frankenbite of the week, right at terrible, the end. Terrible, terrible. Of Cass allegedly saying, if we die, at least we die together. <laughs> cool. All Thank right. you, Donnie Darko. Yeah. Oh, true. Yeah. Um, it is a mad world. Um, and Yeah, um, well, look, as long as he's protecting his, his Gary's jewels... Um, <laughs> The uh, Super 8 Aquaracer, it's quite a turbulent ride. His jowls? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You could have a lot of t- tears for all your fears. Mm-hmm. 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 Um. Sometimes I doubt your commission to the Bachelor of Hearts motion. <laughs> <laughs> all right, listeners, hello. Uh, at the start of the episode, I promised you that I would tell you who I thought would be the winner and why, and that I had some kind of definitive proof. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly I thought that it was, um, in the kissing in the Britney, Britney scene. Mm. I think that Britney's the winner. I've come around. Mm. I just forgot to say it at the time. Uh, I think you're right, Xavier. I think that Britney is definitely the winner because look at them. They can't get enough of each other. Yep. Uh, I definitely felt my feelings being confirmed, uh, throughout these episodes as well. Brit wins. Can't wait to watch it. Um, I think she's cool. So yeah, it's going to be nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, She's not strictly, like, my, the one that I've been most personally invested in or whatever, but, you know, it's not all about me. And no. with with Paradise continuing, I don't really feel too stressed out about anyone disappearing from our screens for too long, because I don't yeah, think that we'll will ever happen again. again. That's true. <laughs> uh, although, it did raise that one question that I had. What's that? Which was, you know, if we think that Britney's the winner, obviously I have that friend who is friends with someone who is friends with the badge. Right. And at the end of the series, the badge called his mate. Yeah. And was like, hey, come on, pack your swag. We're going out bush. Yeah, we've got to go outside. What does that mean? I guess that's the uh, the question that remains hanging over the rest of the season. And that's what's going to keep me tuning in week after week. Even now that we are certain of the winner, um, we're going to have to find out what that does mean. Five stars on iTunes, baby. <laughs> Let us know if you've worked Let it out. Let us know. <laughs> that pretty much wraps it up, folks. And uh, as I mentioned, Max has got a heart out, so maybe we ought to uh, put a bow around it. Yeah, let's wrap a little, uh, wrap a little, do a little, do a little, wrap a little, do a little, the Michelle. Okay, Max is having some problems. Yeah, thanks, Michelle. Please take over for the rest of the episode. Um, we did. Uh, we did come here to make friends and hotel guests, uh, respectively. Um, These are wrapping a little of the tying a little of the Wait, so Michelle doesn't have an answer for this either? Sacrebleu! Oh no. Please find us on social media. We're at boh pod or Bachelor of Hearts on all of them. All of them. Who uh, will do the cookie? <laughs> Who will do the... Where's my burgers? What, you want Suki? Oh, I see. Wait, is it Suki? Suki. i got to watch Suki. the show again. Ooh. Ooh. Guys. Who's, who's such woman? Please take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your hotel owners, even if they're a little crabby. Um, oh, and we uh, wish and you all. We wish you... The all the very else. best. That's right, Michelle. And uh, we'll, we'll catch you next week. Must be for me, searching for a sign to lead me to the end.
evacuated my life.